for Heal, Unite, Engage, where we focus on redeeming the race narrative. In this series, I'm joined by my co-host, Alyssa. Hey, everyone. And we are recording this introduction. We're actually re-recording this because, Alyssa, we we did it several weeks ago or maybe even a couple months ago. Yes. It was prior to Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. So much. The murder of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. We just uh, realized we had to record this again. Absolutely. Because in re- in releasing the podcast series at this time, it just is not relevant to speak to some of the topics we're going to be discussing without acknowledging the impact of these two deaths. And we're recording from the Twin Cities, <laughs> where literally buildings are burning still this morning. Right, right, right. Days after George Floyd was murdered by mm-hmm. police. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so we're processing all of that. We were just talking about how it's been really hard to have conversations, to pray, so much. So we're going to try to focus enough to give all of you who are listening a a clear understanding of this series and what you'll be hearing from the guests that have graced us with their wisdom and insight. And at the same time, share our hearts on why we have, why we're doing this, essentially. Yep. And God's so good in his timing, right? Yeah. I mean, we knew that there's always racial tensions happening that need to be spoken into. And we need God to come and to help us navigate all of this in ways that are honoring but practical and moving us forward (laughs) into justice and reconciliation. But wow, never had I thought that here in my... Well, I shouldn't say never had I thought, but it's not on the radar that, that this degree of tension would be happening at the time of releasing this series. So I'm, yeah. I'm thankful to Father. I'm humbled by it to be a part of the conversation in light of the timing. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Let's introduce ourselves. My name is Ebony. I am the creator and host of The Hue Podcast. I started this podcast a few years ago before the birth of our fourth child. And I did so with the heart of informing informing others of the history of cyclical issues that we've dealt with regarding the construct, the social construct of race in this nation. But took a long break because um, my husband, the love of my life, Jeffrey, whom I am, I'm just a big fan of him. (laughs) We uh, needed to figure out life with four children, four small children. We've had four in five years. So the sky was not the limit in the amount of time <laughs> and energy that we had. But now our youngest is turning two in the summer and you see the light. And we're seeing the light. <laughs> we're seeing the light. Seriously. I was just saying that to a friend. I feel like I'm coming up out of coming to the surface. I'm coming to the surface. With this next series, I bring the insight of the experience that I've had prior to being a stay-at-home mother, which I currently am, and investing as I am blessed and able to in our home. But prior to that, being in corporate for a few years, the opportunity to lead a high school and middle school music program as a choir director at a Christian private school that services families that live in the inner city, and then as a worship director at a church in a suburb surrounding the cities. 
have an opportunity to use the master's degree that I received from Bethel Seminary in those two roles as a music teacher and as a worship director. I'll let you introduce yourself. I mean, to be honest, I'm like, why did you ask me to do this podcast with you? <laughs> hey, girl, you've done be- a lot. Because of <laughs> your articulation, your insight, and also your lived experience. Uh, Share about yourself. I am, even in the the text that so many of us at this time are receiving about the tensions happening in our city and the riots and the protesting and the looting and all of the high emotions that come when the people who are supposed to support you, serve you, and protect you murder you. In my context right now, I feel so far from the realities of the oppressed. I look at my neighborhood, outering suburb of the city. I look at my church, majority white. I look at my family, interracial marriage, I'm biracial. My neighborhood is predominantly white. So I've just, I've been navigating even before the Lord. I'm feeling all of this so deeply. This is landing on me so personally because of my formative years, because of where I come from and who my family is. And all of my life has been steeped in the black community, church, neighborhood, school, all the way up through collegiate, Mm -hmm. historical black college. So really, it feels like white context didn't enter my reality, my lived experience, until my 20s, graduating from college Mm -hmm. and working corporate at Target. So I, I, it almost seems like in my biography, there's going to be a part one and a part two. And the part one is formative in my ideologies and convictions and personal identity and identifying as a black woman and my experience being a black woman's. But now in this part two, my life has been spent in in so many ways being a bridge Hmm. and trying to understand where my white brothers and sisters are coming from and feeling, whether for right or for wrong, Hmm. this burden to be winsome and helping them understand the realities of black people, specific to the Twin Cities. So it leaves me feeling conflicted and stuck. And I think during these high tension times, even more so, the conversation recently with my husband just the other day is, baby, I feel confused. Mm-hmm. And I know confusion mm-hmm. is not of the Lord, but I feel confused. Mm-hmm. I feel stuck. I don't know if the weight I feel to be winsome is even from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I love you. Right. <laughs> you know, I love you. So it's just, man, it's even more so opening up my word and not even knowing where I'm turning to, but asking the Lord, would you help me? Would you give me a word that's helpful? Give me a word that's helpful to others, helpful to my own heart and to lift my head. And I think maybe all of that lived experience will play out in this conversation that we're having as we're interviewing these beautiful souls that are so insightful and so degreed up and i that's not where I'm coming from. So by day, I'm a mama. I also have four sandwiched in between your ages. So it's sweet um, to be close to your family, Ebony. Mm-hmm. I've been married to Matthew, the love of my life, for almost 11 years. And we have lived within 
the Twin Cities, first North Minneapolis, and then moved into the North Metro area for the whole tenure of our marriage. So when Matt and I got married, I was working in marketing, corporate. He was working in public education. We both resigned from our jobs, traveled for a year throughout Latin America so that I could solidify fluency in Spanish. And then we came back, and during that year of travel, the Lord redirected. He redirected our professional tracks. So Mm -hmm. Matt decided to go pursue education for administration and public education, and then I decided to stay home in hopes that we would start a family, and I became a freelancer in editing, copy editing. And you have a company now. I do. The company is called Realize Writing and Editing, um, and we service mostly small businesses or authors, Christian thought, manuscripts, as well as academic work like dissertations and theses. So it's been meaningful to have the flexibility to be home but use my gifts of the word, and it's been beautiful to see Matt use his gift in the mission field of education but I find my days are slow and often mundane but <laughs> I see the beauty in discipling future leaders of the country as well mm-hmm. that's a whole another topic mm-hmm. we're excited to have all of you listen to the guests that we've invited to speak on this podcast series the purpose of this series is to provide practical advice and encourage your hearts on how to navigate the standard of white culture and white supremacy. And so we've called on professionals who are believers and invested in the areas that they work in, academia, ministry, diversity, who are able to share their acquired wisdom via their experience and the revelations that the Lord has given them. And I'm really excited because they've provided some phenomenal information and insight that I believe will equip many in navigating, especially our current white supremacy culture. So we have some terms to share with you all that are not necessarily the definitions each guest adheres to, but they are some common definitions that can help you understand some of the information that's discussed. And some of these terms are going to be more familiar or expected than others. But the first is an expected and familiar term, ethnicity. An individual's national origin, heritage, and singular or multiple cultural identity. The next is culture, and we're defining that based on Merriam-Webster. The characteristic features of everyday existence, such as diversions or a way of life, shared by people in a place or time. Culture is the characteristic features of everyday existence, such as diversions or a way of life, shared by people in a place or time. And whether we say it clearly or not, or our guests say it clearly or not, I think it's implicit in what's being talked about, and that phrase is social construct, which Merriam-Webster again defines as an idea that has been created and accepted by the people in a society. So that social construct segues into race, and we are defining race based on Emerson and Smith's book, Divided by Faith, and they say race is a social construct where we attach social significance and meaning to certain physical characteristics, for example, skin color. And we do want to note that the Hue podcast recognizes there is only one biological race Nonetheless, the social construct of race exists, and we want to speak to it. 
So in light of the social construct of race, our society is racialized. And you'll hear the guests, as well as Ebony and I, speak to that. Emerson and Smith define racialized society as one wherein race matters profoundly for differences in life experiences, life opportunities, and social relationships, and a society that rewards or punishes along racial lines. So now we move into the more explicit definitions that focus on the prejudice, racism, discrimination that we're addressing as well in these interviews. So the first definition of prejudice, and all of these definitions will be from Robin D'Angelo's book, White Fragility. The first definition of prejudice, Robin D'Angelo defines as prejudgment of another person based on the social groups to which that person belongs. She states that all humans have prejudice, and prejudice always manifests itself in action. Then Robin D'Angelo goes on to define discrimination as action based on prejudice. And again, everyone discriminates. Now Robin D'Angelo transitions into racism as saying, it is a racial group's collective prejudice backed by the power of legal authority and institutional control. So racism is a far-reaching system that functions independently from the intentions or self-images of individual actors. And finally, Robin D'Angelo takes that information to define white supremacy as a socio-political economic system of domination based on racial categories that benefits those defined and perceived as white. This system of structural power privileges, centralizes, and elevates white people as a group. So we hope these definitions are helpful as you listen to the guests that we will be interviewing throughout the series. And you can find more information about the sources of these definitions on my website, ebonyramquist.com. And we do want to note that the definitions are purely to create common ground, to free the listener to know where we're coming from, but have freedom to disagree and have freedom to be nuanced in their thinking and their interpretation of what we're saying. We're not trying to box anyone in, but to more so be helpful. Mm -hmm. So Alyssa, I liked the idea that you gave when we talked about recording this introduction of asking each other a few of the questions that we ask the guests so that listeners can have more of an understanding of who we are and our perspectives, where we come from. The first question is the easiest I'll ask you. What is your ethnic heritage? That's good. So based on the definitions, my national origin would be North American. I was born in West Detroit, lived there until I was five, and then my family moved for work to the Minneapolis area. My mother is African American. My father is Scandinavian. My father's families are between Nebraska and Minnesota. My mother's family is more sporadic and as is the testimony of many African descent lineages here in America, it's fragmented all of the, all of the national origins mm-hmm. of that line. Mm-hmm. So the short of the long is I am biracial, black and white. That'd be the short, <laughs> the short end. For myself, I identify as African-American. Exactly to what you said, there's a lot of different, for lack of a better word, origins that come into play in our family's history. 
born in Philadelphia, but have been here in Minnesota since I was seven. So that's just been my predominant context. I had the gift of growing up in a predominantly African-American church, and that has really that was really what kept me rooted in my cultural identity. And I'm deeply grateful for that. I've been very deeply grateful for that. So then one other question that I think is important to ask that we did ask our guests as well is, how is the Bible informing your view of socially constructed injustice? Hmm. So as I'm continuing to pursue understanding and knowing God, and I'm reading the Bible, I see over and over again that socially constructed injustice is not new, Hmm. that Hmm. this is old, Hmm. and that it is the symptom, the fruit of broken, sin-filled hearts yeah and it started from the garden of eden when we saw the fruit Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. pleasant to the eye good to eat and Mm -hmm. would provide understanding and wisdom and and we we make ourselves bigger and greater and more deserving than we are and then things go wrong so i see socially constructed injustice as a result of the fall And as God is fulfilling his redemption plan to us spiritually, the symptom and fruit of that spiritual restoration and redemption is that injustice is being addressed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't even see it as singular Bible verses. I see it as a part of the whole biblical Mm meta-narrative is that Mm -hmm. loving people, bringing justice, righting what is wrong, this is what God did through the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And this is what we now do until he returns or takes us home. Yeah. So how is the Bible informing your view, Ebony, of socially constructed injustice? Is it informing your view? Right, right. I actually like that you said, is it? Because I think it's important to acknowledge when you're in a context like a lot of people of color in this country specifically and others in other contexts as well. When you're in those situations, your first gut reaction for wanting justice can just be pure anger and rage for what's happening. It's a natural response. And too often, especially in in Christendom, you can be condemned for it or it can be downplayed or um, belittled. I first had to wrestle through a lot of the healing that was involved and just being so purely angry that I just wanted things to change and I didn't care how hmm. or, or who got hurt in the process hmm. given how hurt I was and others that I loved and cared about were hurt. And I used to be ashamed of that, especially because of feedback, unfortunately, that I got from maybe well-meaning leaders. But then through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, and that's something that one of our guests, uh, Dr. Ruth Ann Crapo Kim, speaks to, thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit, the ultimate final authority in um, revealing who Christ is to us and revealing Christ through the word of God. Through the revelation of the Holy Spirit and other solid believers, I began to understand that anger and rage could be held in tandem with the recognition that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, Mm -hmm. and I can trust God in bringing about the restoration, the healing, the hope and change that's needed that only God can really bring. Right. I appreciate that you said, is the Bible that? It didn't start out that way, Christian or not, even as a Christian for me, it didn't start out that way. But it has become that through the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, through the work of the Holy Spirit. 
But one thing that's moved me a lot most recently in these last few years has been the witness of Christ, the witness of our faith as the church. So John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And what has moved me to the most anger and grief recently has been our lack of witness, our lack of witness as the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. specifically in this nation's context, because I don't want to rope the entire world church into um, the very same context that's happening in this nation. For where I am grounded now in this country, our witness is so hurt. You have people falling away from belief in Christ, from outright denial of the existence of Christ or the goodness of Christ, because they don't see the new commandment that Jesus gave us before he left. And whether they're believers or not, right, there's something inside of them that goes, that's not remarkable. There's Dr. <laughs> Rubin speaks to this, right? What is remarkable Christianity? Right. It's loving the unlovable, not your in-group. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. And not even the unlovable, loving each other. That's right. Like the uh, in, in what you're referring to, Dr. Ruben Rivera has a trademark line that he teaches in his work of, are we living remarkable Christianity? Mm-hmm. The Christianity, the new commandment that Jesus gave us to love one another as he has loved us so that by this, all people will know that we are Christ's disciples. Mm-hmm. And that's just not happening. To me, I feel this is low-hanging fruit. This yep. is low-hanging fruit. I'm using a, a phrase that my my in-laws have taught me when it comes to humor. We like low-hanging fruit in our humor. <laughs> and to me, I'm like, this is low-hanging fruit and opportunity mm. for the church to show that Christ is real, yep. that the gospel is relevant. Yep. It's really like rotting fruit at this point because it's mm-hmm. been hanging for so long Uh-oh. and it's not just been fully embraced and picked up. Mm-hmm. We're not showing love to one another when we look at an injustice that is being blatantly done. And George Floyd was not, is not the first. There's been so many. And not even the first for the Twin Cities. And not I mean, Philando is just a few years ago. Right, not like, the I don't first. know why we're acting brand new. I know. Edit that part out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I, could, I should edit that part out. Because that's exactly <laughs> what I've been wrestling with. I get so many people like, I can't believe this is happening. How do you feel? And I'm like, I used the quote that you sent me in a text. I was like, this has been happening for a long time. It's reoccurring. So praise the Lord, I have systems of support and encouragement in place that have kept me grounded. Right. But what really needs to change the narrative is that corporate responsibility and repentance and showing the world that we are Christ's disciples by our love for one another. And there's a lot of complexities in that and nuances and, and different avenues that we can take and display that. But there are leaders and thinkers who have already addressed ways that we can do this. Right. And specifically people of color within the body of Christ that have said, here are ways that we can concretely, sustainably, and with measurements in place to right. gauge our productivity, live out part of the call that God has given us That's in this right. new commandment. And and this and that just hasn't been followed. And and <laughs> holistically. I, right. And I think what's frustrating, what's frustrating is that we know what it is to build systems that combat issues. Mm-hmm. We do it even within the church. What does global missions look like? Mm. It looks like mm taking a personal great commission call of making disciples and saying, that's great, but if we're going to advance the kingdom quickly, 
effectively, then we should probably create some parachurch organizations. Hmm. We should create financial institutions that fund groups of missionaries. We should create and build up, resurrect schools that train missions, that bring the gospel. These are all right things. We know what it looks like to take an individual mandate and create a system that perpetuates it, that is righteous and good. So don't look at me and tell me that the call to racial reconciliation in light of the gospel, as an overflow of the gospel, though a personal call, can't be perpetuated systemically. We can do things to make corporate change Mm -hmm. if we want to, Mm -hmm. if we see it as a part of the gospel call. And I think that's one of the main issues is that the church sees the issue of racial reconciliation as purely a personal sin that needs to be addressed Mm -hmm. and it's going to work itself out. But that's turning a blind eye to history. History says this doesn't just happen. Mm -hmm. You asked me why I asked you to (laughs) co-host. So that is the drive for me right now in um, understanding how to address the social constructs of injustice that we have created, specifically in the construction of race and therefore racism Mm -hmm. in our nation. I'm launching this podcast series for two reasons from that. First, because to your point with the global missions infrastructure, people need wisdom and advice on how to engage the current reality. So in this current white supremacy culture, how do you respond to pushback? How do you walk in confidence and courage of what you know needs to be said or done that contradicts the norm? How do you do this without demonizing others and becoming embittered? What do you do when you're tired and weary to continue to move forward? That's what this series addresses for those who are listening. At the same time, I want us to go beyond just the now and the current problem we're seeing to have enough hope, encouraged hearts to say, okay, Father, what next? I want the encouraged hearts from listening to this series to go beyond a focus on engaging the current white supremacy culture. And I'm going to use some wording from one of our other guests that we interviewed Kyle Howard to say, I want people to go beyond white centrality, Mm -hmm. trying to navigate it or gauge it or figure it out to recognize there is no great white hope. The hope is fully and completely Christ. Amen. So even as you're trying to navigate and figure out how to engage reality, where are your eyes ultimately turned and what are you hearing from God that is creative, mm-hmm. innovative, mm-hmm. sustainable, mm-hmm. measurable, all mm-hmm. of those mm-hmm. infrastructure elements that you mentioned with the global missions that is going to launch us beyond the reaction to injustice that we're seeing and yeah. that we are grieving today. At one point, Kyle Howard said something to the degree of, we can make whiteness central even by reacting to it. Yes. Meaning if everything we're doing is to dance or sidestep white centrality, then we're actually centralizing whiteness still. So let's just be true to what God has called us to do. What is the issue? What's going to be most effective and efficient? We want to be loving and honoring as we go, but we're focused on the mission. And that means you're going to get uncomfortable white people. And There's no way around that, right? Right. What I loved about what Kyle Howard said, and I'm paraphrasing it, is that all of us are within our cultural context, the beautiful cultural context that God birthed us into. 
he was explaining that when people are seeking to understand God, sometimes they go from white conservatism and, and they see all the issues there, but then they jump straight to German um, liberalism, liberalism, white mm-hmm. German, like German liberalism. He was saying they skip over the Chinese persecuted church. They skip over the black church, the Latinx church, the Hmong church. He just gives a, a bunch of examples. We find ideologies that still fit inside the framework of white supremacy. Right. And so reconciliation matters because again, we need to love one another as Christ has loved us so people can see that we are Christ's disciples. But I want that vision, those encouraged hearts to understand the goal isn't even so much, okay, now see, we're reconciled and we're okay. We're better. We're all, we're all good friends. I want it to be, what is the priority that Christ has set in establishing justice in this nation now? And whoever's on board with that and follows that leadership of Christ is on board and follows. Yep. And we need whatever percentage that is, whatever mixture that is to, to walk that out. I don't even want the end goal to necessarily be reconciliation between black and white or people of color and white, because then sometimes I feel like that gets manipulated and watered down. I want it to be, if we walk out whatever role the Lord has given us clearly toward justice, Hmm. we'll land in this place without feeling like we have to bring everybody or X number of people along. That's good. Because he's going to work that out. He's working it out as we're true to the things that he's calling us to, Mm -hmm. righting the wrongs wherever we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so beautiful because one of the things we've talked about off air is this idea of intersections of justice and how there's so many different injustices that are tied to one another. I mean, we've talked about it from immigration to abortion to mm-hmm. racism i mean and the list goes on sexism yes. classism like yeah it, so the sphere that you find yourself in is for a reason yeah and if we ask father show me where the injustice is mm-hmm. show me where the need is show me how i can write it r-i-g-h-t mm-hmm. he's going to do that he's faithful to answer our prayer and show us but mm-hmm. are we asking mm-hmm. or are we so discouraged and we've been there, right? We've yep. been at that place of so yep. much anger, <laughs> so much hopelessness right. that we don't even know. We just want to shrivel up. Right, right. And and like I said, it's normal to react that way. So I don't ever want people to feel ashamed because unfortunately in our Christian culture, you can feel ashamed mm-hmm. for being discouraged and frustrated or depressed or um, any of those things. It's just that no one wants to have to die there. No one. No one wants to have to die there. And he doesn't want us to. Right. That is why one of the acronyms for the HUE podcast is HEAL. When you listen to the interview by Kyle Howard, he'll speak really well to this, is it is necessary and very important to heal. Don't be ashamed at all of that. Yeah, I think don't downplay that. I think Dr. Ruth Ann did a great job as well. Mm. Specifically, I mean, she just has this counseling heart. Yes, yes, she does. I mean, she she would bring up several times, can we hold space hmm. for all of these different yes. emotions and feelings and yes. the realities of why they exist? I just, that was a bomb to my soul. Yeah. We she have a bombshell list. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, she speaks to holding contradictions well, but we do, we do, we do. So um, we're extremely excited to have all of you listen to the wisdom and insight of these guests. The last question that we asked each one of them was to leave us with an encouraging quote that they reference when they are discouraged or just needing to remember to persevere in redeeming the race narrative. So we're going to leave you with a favorite quote from each of us as well. Mm-hmm. I've had so many quotes that I've thought to pull from. I was going to pull from 
the 4th of July speech by Frederick Douglass. <laughs> I was going to pull from Nehemiah because that book has been encouraging to my heart even this morning. But you mentioned how John encouraged you in chapter 13, was it? And I see it saturated in 1 John. I want to go there for my quote. And in 1 John, again, John speaking to this new commandment, and he says it, he says it. And in chapter 4, he says, By this is love perfected with us. It's verse 17 of chapter 4. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. And then it goes on to talk about if we love God, then we love our brother. And how can we love God who we don't see if we can't love our brother who we can see? Hmm. But this whole concept of um, love casting out fear, and I mean, we see it in George Floyd, we see it in Philando Castile, that there was so much fear behind the killing and If God can give us a picture of his perfect love toward us in the person of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, then we can overflow with love toward others and not fear them, even when they're different. And I need that work in my own life, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm not speaking to someone outside of me. I need to remember this work of God crossing Mm -hmm. the divide Mm -hmm. and taking away the hostility, Mm -hmm. making me his so that I can offer that kind of grace and benefit of the doubt to others. My quote is a song. So Alyssa, you know my passion for music as a vocalist and just the power of communication through music. So much so that when you visit my website, ebonyramquist.com, that sounds like such a plug. (laughs) No, it's good. (laughs) Thank you. Plug it. All right. When you visit my website, ebonyramquist.com, where the Hue podcast is hosted, you'll see a section entitled Lyrical Lessons. And I actually partner a song with each of the Hue podcast episodes, because I feel that each episode can be encompassed in a song. This song I will be sharing with this introduction episode by Alyssa and I, and the song is entitled Overcome by Laura Mbula. She is a phenomenal artist who so eloquently speaks to the realities of our current white supremacy culture. In her song Overcome, she actually speaks to those who we're speaking to in this series who are navigating hardships and and difficulties and the last movement of her song says round the mountain all God's children run and so she speaks to in the beginning of the song when you're broken down when you're tired when you feel like you are ready to die from the pressure continue on but at the same time it's not about continuing on in your own strength through your own emotions and confusion or anger or weariness, et cetera, et cetera, carry on ultimately to come around the mountain, children of God. And I understand that as recognizing that ultimately my foundation, my rest, my peace is in the mountain of Christ, of who the Lord is. So the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. The peace of the Lord surpasses all understanding. I will mount up on wings like eagles. I can go to the mountain as a child of God. And there I can stand and rest and run. 
So thank you all for joining us. Mm -hmm. We're so extremely excited for you to listen to these interviews, be blessed, be encouraged, receive the wisdom and advice that you need to continue to navigate our current white supremacy culture. And at the same time, be encouraged to look toward Christ and ask the question, what next? You were listening to an interview on the Hugh podcast. If you have any questions or comments regarding the topic we discussed, visit my website, ebonyramquist.com and share your thoughts. There are also links to the resources mentioned in the interview, as well as some musical commentary associated with each podcast episode. Please subscribe to the Hue podcast and share it with your friends. I truly appreciate your presence. Grace and peace. Thank you.